people. Maybe for this episode, we say, hey, y'all. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> what up, Dre? Jeez, my <laughs> We're talking regions, guys. Obviously, we're you can tell. About, we're talking oh. about love and region. Region, the love for it, a place in space. Place in space. That's so Tasmanian. Why did you have to say, hey, y'all? Hey, you know, I cringe when I even say y'all. Do I, you? I do. I catch myself and be like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm booking on Southwest. Ooh, okay, this is perfect. This is yeah. perfect. Because what we're talking about is regional love. And we're talking about love of place and space, as Andrea said. But we're also talking about how complicated love is, whether it's with a space or in a relationship. Love has layers, It right? has multiple layers. It has multiple layers. Yeah, and yeah. some people we love so much that we might call them our favorite people and they could just get on our nerve. Like my, my aunt would say, my last good nerve. Because so, why is that last one is good? <laughs> the last one. Like, what one happens up? if the last one isn't good? Like, why does he have to be a good nerve? Uh, my last my bad last, nerve. My last bad nerve. So I wanted us to talk about... Um, What's been written about many times, most recently, Imani Perry, great author, writing South to America, A Journey Below the Mason-Dixon to Understand the Soul of a Nation, which is saying the South is the soul of this nation of the United States of America. But also, we were just so talking about... So does that about, mean we are soulless as a nation? I think it might mean that as the soul of this nation goes, it is following the soul of the South. Yes, I think yes. that is what it... But we were we were also just talking about the masterful writer, Isabel Wilkerson's, yes, of yes, course. Yes, Cast in the warmth of other, other sons. sons. Yes. And I am a child of the Great Migration, which is what she's writing about in the warmth right. of other sons. How many of us thousands, the largest migratory pattern, pattern. in history, <laughs> um, African-Americans leaving the South for the warmth of other sons, for the freedom from all kinds of persecution, mm-hmm. for economic prosperity, heading Great. to the Gary Indianas and the Cleveland Ohio's and the Syracuse New Yorks and the Philadelphias, all those places seeking the warmth, not always finding it. No. But now we're looking at a reverse migration, right? We are. Now and we I'm look- a I'm a daughter of Zora. I am. A da- <laughs> yes. You know that, right? Yes. But I am a daughter of their eyes were watching God and of mules and men and mm. this idea of creating first black towns and business. I'm a daughter of that story and that narrative. Of of this complicated love mm. that we have for the South, mm-hmm. and that that looks different from the story of the Great Migration. Yes. So, listeners, and we know all our listeners are not just in the South, but it, this is where we are headquartered. This is where we are. This like, is where like, we are. Like, we are, we here. are here in the recording studio yes. today, in albeit downtown Nash Vegas on Church Street, Tennessee. We are Tennessee. We are still Tennessee. in the South. We're right? in the South, and for right. many of us, it is a huge point of pride. And for some of us, it is a point of perplexation. Is that a word? I'm not sure. Of being perplexed. <laughs> Isn't it preposterous that Stop we're perplexed? It. Stop it. So we're at a point of like saying, huh, wow. I think, you know, when we hear, as we just said, hey, y'all, or I said, hey, y'all, you like said that. when certain things come out of our mouth, it's like, wow, we realize we are susceptible to ingesting Southernisms. And some of us hold on to them with great pride. Some of us like it. I, I remember you, you said like the, the pride that we have of, mm-hmm. of, of being in the South. Yeah. And what that really means. What it means. What How it many means. artists have said this is the root right. 
of revolution within the United right, States. Right, right. And think, you can talk about your Brooklyns and your L.A.s all you want. Right. But you better talk about this dirty, dirty. You talk dirty. about your East Coast and your West Coast. Dirty, dirty. Well, We're going to do a lot of that, aren't we, for this dirt. episode? <laughs> You're going like, to pull up all of the... Uh, all of it. All of the phone, where you're going to just pronounce all the words of every region that we talk about. Well, the truth is, you're going to hear a lot of stereotype. And oh, thank you for acknowledging that oh, on the front end, yes, right? But what you also should hear is joy. And I'd like to say, even though I grew up in Central New York, I definitely know my roots. I'm sorry, roots are um, <laughs> definitely southern. I'm, I'm still a, I'm still a, a southern girl. I'm still a child of the south. I'm certainly a child of Central New York, also, but. You I are think a child you... of Central New York whose mother is a child of the South. Yes. Stop that, Tess. I'm a child of the we, South. We, I never heard you say that. Because we inherit. I have I've to never acknowledge heard you say that. there's an inheritance. I grew up in Syracuse. I mean, it is true. And people can say, people often say, where are you from? As in, we know you're not from here. So I, I get that. Yeah. But I'd like to say that being part of the Great Migration means that there is a tether that will never, never break. Agreed. Between Agreed. the folks born in L.A., the folks born in, um, oh, oh, name name a place. Great. I love the patterns of migration. I'm oh glad you gosh. brought that in. There. And you just yeah. say, where, where are you from, L.A.? Where are your grandmama from? Mm-hmm. Barouge. Right. Where do y'all have your family reunions? Come I on. love that. Come on. So where was your last family reunion mm-hmm. pre-COVID? Oh, you know it was in Augusta, Georgia. Uh-huh. Come on. Yes, yes. So the roots go there. There you go. Yeah. Like, I'm from Newark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which is interesting because uh, Imani Perry, right? Imani yes. Perry. So this idea of the Mason-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. And so for those of us who have roots in the roots, have roots on that East Coast, you know, we, we want to say that the DMV is just a smidgen above that Mason-Dixon huh. line. But no, it's not. Let's no, stop it's not. that. It's not. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. Let's yeah, let's it. talk about it. And, I, and I'm going to my, my contribution to this conversation, Andrea, is in the form in some ways of a love letter and a kind of love letter that exposes all the complexities of love. And I wouldn't expect anything differently. Well, thank you. <laughs> a love so, letter. A love letter. Because a good love letter takes you places. It's not just a therapy sweet kind of homage to what the heart does. It's also saying, you know, I love you even when you, hmm. there ain't nothing you can do to take me away from you. It, it's saying I love you anyway. I love you in all kinds of spaces. I love you when the locust comes and the cicadas and there's a flood and a Stop hurricane. Lying. I so, love you. I love okay. you when the clouds rumble with thunder. I love you when, when. So, okay. Uh-huh. If you are doing the love letter I'm and you brought letter. up cicadas and storms and mm-hmm. tornadoes, then I'm doing a Dear John letter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, Daphne. Okay. You, 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 you right. say this is Southern comfort. It is. It's Southern but, comfort. And comfort is, uh, we, we must acknowledge the contrast, discomfort. This. This. This is going to be a struggle. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Well, one of the things I have to say at the beginning of, of, of my love letter to the South is that I grew up with both parents are great migration people, but my father came earlier. So he was actually born in New York, but my mother left the South traumatically, according to her. But in my mother's storytelling, the South was her little Africa. Like she, if you listen to my mother talk about growing up in segregated Pike Road, Alabama, you'd be like, what year was this again? Are you a Bikina Faso? <laughs> It was so insulated. Yeah. It, and I don't know if, if it's if, – if somehow in absence, sometimes mythology gets even larger. You know, you're like, and then what happened? She said, well, then we would walk down the road and my grandmother saw a snake and she'd take a stick out and she whacked that snake into two. And she now, be careful. Don't step over a snake. And you're like, your grandmother killed a snake in front of you? Yes. <laughs> like, what? 
<laughs> it has a story to tell about That's it. A story. But you know what? There, 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 there was a sacredness that was happening with 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 Muna and yeah. her and and that segregated yes. town. We often talk about that sacred segregation, that, sacred segregation, and what that that safety meant in the South. It was all of things. all of Jim Crow and everything else that's going on. Her story doesn't include Jim Crow. She says they rarely saw white people. She said everybody was black. It's kind oh, of like how great. people talk about you know Detroit in its heyday or Memphis. It was like you know everybody was <laughs> the pharmacist, the superintendent, the bus driver, the postal worker. Everybody was black. Yeah. And you were told you were beautiful and brilliant. And then, according to my mother, hear the thunder. They moved to New York. But, you know, when we were doing the oral history project and we were interviewing people as they desegregated Nashville's public schools and Nashville's Brown decision, we heard those same stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whether you've done it working with the newspaper or as an oral historian, we've heard those stories of what segregation or integration and desegregation meant Mm -hmm. to the demise Mm -hmm. of the narrative of the South. Yes. And then my narrative of our people. It was complicated. Yeah. So you're you're painting this picture for us today that this episode is a complicated love story that we have with the South. Yes. Well, let's... And thereby... With ourselves. Let me hear your because who's the South is number one. Us. So number one is um, what has given me Southern comfort is the mythology of the South. And for some people, it's gone with the wind. Not for me. Oh, gracious. For me, it is Kunta and Kizzy. It's roots. It's this idea of there was this interruption of great, beautiful life. And then all this other stuff came in, the chaos of Jim Crow, the chaos of just moving, the cold of the north. Even though it got cold in Alabama, my mother talked about never being that cold ever. Um, the interruption. The warmth of, our, of other signs. The warmth of other really signs. Yeah. The interruption of identity and intelligence. You go from one place where you're seen as brilliant and black, another place where you're seen as deficit and right. black, or it's, black as deficit. Right. right. It was a disruption. Disruption of culture. Yes. Disruption of identity. So for me, and Southern Comfort means the mythology of a place that meant love, it meant family, it meant Medea, it meant Daddy Frank, it meant. Oh, my gosh. It meant the place we would return to when we would get in the station wagon and drive from New York all the way down to Alabama. And where my great-grandmother gave each of us, I'm one of five, our own watermelon. I did not say piece of watermelon. (laughs) An entire fruit. Wow. Couldn't okay. believe it. At home, you had to ration out pieces of watermelon. It was plentiful. Because she just went in the backyard and got it. Right. Okay. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So just, and I'd never seen a watermelon that was yellow on the inside. I mean, it was just like, you know, and then the accents. And yeah. we were like, you know, there's that northern, southern cousin thing happening. And yeah. we were the cousins oh, yeah. from in New York. But we the wanted to The cousins up south or the cousins yes, down Yes, all of that was north. happening. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I just remember feeling like we wanted to join in and <laughs> integrate with the southern cousins and it was. It was just. You can hear in my voice. It was. It I was. It was magical. It was mythical. I wonder if <laughs> you said magical in the mythology uh-huh. of it. Magical, I, mythical. Mm-hmm. I wonder if our framework of how we are seeing and painting and writing these lyrics of this love letter and mm-hmm. ode to mm-hmm. Nashville mm-hmm. and just the South. We'll the say south. the South. If it's based on our lens of our trajectory, migrating up or migrating down, migrating east, migrating west, because I'm sure. I'm, because I, I, I think that has a lot to do with You have with a how, counterpoint? I have a point, counterpoint, okay. and another point, and another counterpoint. So in my first stanza, if I'm painting this picture in my lyrical genius self, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm writing this in my ode to Southern Comfort, I'm seeing the South, and it is representing slavery. It is representing bigotry. It is representing a land for me that, 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 I, that I have landed on. 
But it is also representing this dichotomy of two different stories, stories that we're hearing of Jim Crow, but stories that we're hearing of movements and people and overcoming. And we're not just hearing stories of oppression. We're hearing stories of victory. We're, we're walking on this hallowed ground that we love to call the South a hallowed ground, particularly in this region. So, so maybe it is a love letter, but I'm, I'm taking mm. it's It's a duality for me. Mm-hmm. It's a duality. So and don't this, all good love have two sides? Yeah, multiple sides. I Come guess on it now. is. Come okay. on now. All right. Come on okay. Now. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that is what I'm conjuring up if I was to start this love letter of Southern Comfort for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's this two sided, mm-hmm. this two faces in this mm-hmm. two spaces of of this place and this hallowed ground. Yes. Yes. I love that. You know where else the comfort comes for me? If I were to think solely of Southern Comfort, it would be in the sounds. So just the. So in New York, my parents did a lot of performing. If they performed in a Southern Baptist church, which my grandparents belonged to before my parents became Muslim, when they would speak, people go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, And that was a whole sentence. And you, you carry this with you. I you do. Ch- if I'm you are the Zoom, child. Of the if I'm on Zoom, people are like, Tasneem, please mute yourself. I know you conjure up some old person that is picking cotton and it's, it's the, the sounds. sounds for you. It's, like, it's the It's like it's, it says, I will affirm you just through a shift of air coming yes. out your throat. Yeah. Like if I go and, and this was what I learned strangely. Then I moved south thinking that I'm now in the land of the, I don't even know what to call it, the, the moan. Yeah. The affirmative moan. Did you say Negro? The affirmative Negro? I did not say that. <laughs> so I felt like I, and then I went to a black church in the south and no and one And you're hushed because there's an anthem. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and yet I was the only one going, and they look, we don't do that here. And you maybe, looking, and you packed your tambourine in your bag, didn't you? Just ready. To maybe your point about the influence of region and whether you moved up or down, maybe it's that. It does. So it what happened is the that. Southern Baptists who had left the South carried these remnants with them. So in the cold Chicago and the cold Indianapolis and the cold Syracuse and the cold Gary, they took every little morsel of Southernisms they could. So I grew up hearing what I thought was Southern sounds in Southern spaces in Northern cities. Right. Then when I because they were south, carried there, they were they were they put right. up, they stuffed it in their pockets. That's right. That's right. And so and so the family members who who may have migrated a different way, right, or or back the second migration or the third wave of migration actually, and we thinking about so then you know we've we've moved up and now we've come back, we've planted seeds, we've worked, and now we are coming back to our roots. And and some things of tradition we have let go. We have let go. And some things you are not hearing in this black and bourgeois space of the region that we may be in, right? Yes. Whatever that region yes. is. Because there was a, we've the, lost that. We've lost it. There was a slur called country. If somebody called you country, that was right. like a slur. Right. But in New York, that was the kind of thing you held on to because that was your distinction. That was your when, identity. That and, was your identity. And it, it speaks to how you survived. So the idea that I'm country means that I knew how to. Mm-hmm. We escaped from or yes. we chose to leave from. Oh, my gosh. Right? All of that. Yes. So you held on to this, you, this, this, this notion of what country means. And for me, it wasn't a slur. Yeah. I saw that. I saw my mother meeting someone. She said, "Where are you from?" They say Alabama. My mother said, "What? What part of Alabama?" They say Montgomery. My mother would pause and say, "What part of the tracks?" I was yeah. like, "Uh oh!" Like yeah. they starting to break it down. Like, "Whoa, yeah. you from home?" 
Right. And so that meant you could be in conversation with somebody and they might not even utter a word. They just go, mm, mm. mm. So you just did it. I did it because <laughs> I felt it. And I, I thought my love letters were going to be different, but I'm, I'm full. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to, I'm going to, going to veer. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to shift, as you say. Mm. Um, when I moved here in 1997, you see, I've been here, you know, the, 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 the yeah, I moved here. B- B.C. or A.D.? That, both. <laughs> it was the B.C. of the A.D. and the M.N.O.P., right? That's how long it's been that I feel like I'm melting. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I would never imagine that here we are 20 plus years later that I'm still here in this place. Yeah. It was here before the completion of 440. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was here before we were the hot chicken capital was here before all that, but I'm not a native, so I can't, I can't claim, like when people would talk about the heyday of this and this, I don't claim any of that. I'm, I'm not a native, and, I, and I, I won't pretend to be a native of this region, um, but I remember moving here. The, the constant thing, you talk about Ma, uh, Muna saying mm-hmm. what part, yeah. right? When I moved here, I promise you, the people were asking me, what zip code? Really? What zip code do you live in? What zip code? Hmm. And I started to think of what kind of... Boss Crump political machine is this that I moved yeah. into 1997 that people are asking what zip code as if there was this this gentrified line that was sure. going through that if I lived in this zip code to identify mm. that 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 means a certain thing about me. And so I, that's not it. I, I can't say that that is a love letter for me of this. I don't find comfort. I don't find comfort no. in that. That's the complication of that's that. the complication yeah. of the south of mm-hmm. the region. And, and I just thought and it happened in multiple places and mm-hmm. spaces. And so it I, almost says love resides in certain zip codes and, and something else resides in others. And it, it made me question how long I'm going to stay wow. here. Or do I want to stay here? And can I actually find comfort mm. in this new place mm-hmm. now? Right? That's Albeit the truth. South, That's right? the truth. You mentioned sounds. And mm-hmm. so sounds of I think of growing <coughs> up and hearing the ocean. And I think about mm. all of the the sounds of, of the cleansing uh, of whether that is sounds of a middle passage and the cries of that, but also the cleansing and the birth and the rebirth and the sanctification of water meant. So the idea of hearing sounds and ocean and water, that for me is what Southern comfort, but that Southern comfort is conditioned around bodies of water Mm. because it speaks to the cleansing, the cleansing of who and where we came from. And the arrival. The arrival of that, right? Mm. And so when you still are in South in a Southern city, and there's no water, no bodies of water. I can't say that I find comfort in that. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I can't yeah. go listen to the Cumberland and be like, "Oh, I hear the sounds of the of the generations past." No, you can't. Hark, hark! I don't hear those sounds. <laughs> so my love letter stands at number two. <laughs> Ode to the South. Hark, hark. <laughs> Taiku, go test me. <laughs> I'd like to, in my southern comfort, um, speak to language. When I moved here in 1999, <laughs> two weeks before it became 1999, two months. Uh, and you play a lot of prints. I, I was so ready. Everybody wasn't everybody. Oh yeah. And and I think I went to a Dollar General. Had no idea it was headquartered here. It just I was like, this is an interesting story, Dollar General. And I remember the woman said to me. Do you need anything else, baby? And I was like, did she know me? <laughs> she called me baby. <laughs> Messed me up. <laughs> the only people who spoke like that are family members, also from the Great Migration, in the Northeast. Right. And and this was a white lady calling me baby 
at the Dollar General. What was your face like? I think it was delight. <laughs> oh, I think I, got, I know because I you I say baby now. Oh yes, darling. So, oh, like, sure. I, <laughs> I just find, and we said this going to be, you know, this conversation going to be rife with stereotypes. Not everybody in the South does well, please this. Please let, let 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 us realize, they don't. and neither not are we saying that we wherever region we came from is better than another. This is not no. a competition. This of is my letter. This is the finding the comfort. This Ooh, is my comfort. So you telling the folks to go write their own letter. I, Okay. This is our own comfort in region, yes. space, and place. Comfort is re- yeah. comfort. Comfort is personal. For me, I mentioned the sounds, the mm, the sounds that aren't really words, but then there's the words, right? Yes, it's the word. It is her saying "baby," and you know how I feel about New Orleans when they say "babe." You know, mm. yes, I have. I love that. that. With you. I remember someone calling me "baby girl." I am a sucker for a baby girl. I remember crossing the street in front of Al Kabulan, may Yusuf, Yusuf Harris rest in peace. Oh, lift I, his name. Thank I you. I crossed the street and someone yelled out of their car, "Hey, yo, dark skin!" And I was like, <laughs> and I, and I you were an adult, right? Because I was grown. Can I just? Oh, and gosh, I had this never. Be, but if you had been on an HBCU campus, you would have heard that before. And it wasn't a slur. I know it he was, was but... trying to like you know like. Pull up, right? He was trying to holla. like holler at me, and he said, "Yo, dark skin." And I, I remember looking around like, "Is he talking to me?" I don't think anyone had ever referred to complexion as a salutation. You see, but I have a friend who moved from New York to Georgia, and they said, "Hey, yo, shorty red," and I said, "Shorty red." First of all, that light skin is called red. And so that was her mate. She called me and said, Tessie, you won't believe it. I was crossing. Someone said, hey, yo, show that red. Yeah. And I was like, who are they calling? She said, girl, they're talking to me. Yeah. And so so just like the language, I was like, wow. And of course, you can't admit this because, you know, you, it's like something. You've got this caste system. Like, oh, so, so you, you've ingested this colorism and caste system. And yet it wasn't a slur. And yet you find comfort and some level of enticement by this love of Southern. It's even adoring. <laughs> and your dark skin. No. My daughter, Asali, is the brownest of the bunch. And all the time, people are referring to her chocolate this and chocolate that. And she, yeah. she's chocolate, she's chocolate, she's chocolate, she's chocolate. And so she, she loves it. Uh, as do Ryan. Oh, my God. Loves it, saying, I love. I mean, chocolate, literally. Chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate love. And she has a friend who's lighter skin, and her friend says, I'm butter pecan. Oh, you see, gosh. like, the 50 shades of black. Like, I like that this is a part of language. Yes. And the language is spoken out loud, even when you're just crossing the street in front of our cable on bookstore. Ah, love it. And your dark skin. I was like, yes. <laughs> you can holla. <laughs> so, so language. 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 I, it's something in that coded language, too, like the secret language. So when I first started mm. teaching here, I, I, I taught in a, an all-white space. I was the only person of color, not even the sexton at the school. Mm-hmm. He introduced himself. He said, I'm the sexton. I was like, the translation, you the janitor Ooh. or do you the help? Like, so I, even, the sexton, even the sexton mm-hmm. was, was European, was white. And so I'm teaching in this space, and I was like, oh, gosh, who am I going to teach in this space? I don't all these kids. They don't know. I've shared the story before. Like, oh, you look the color of a, of a cookie, right? But, but here's the language. Here's the, the language and the code. And so as the school began to grow and, and students and more and more people were flocking to Nashville and we see these interracial families and I've got these amazing parents and, and, and extended parents and you would – you, you would see another person of color in these spaces and then that language, but it was shared language and it was coded language and it was a silent language. Mm. And, and it, you felt 
and it was more prominent here in, in this Southern comfort, more prominent than it would it, than it would might have been if I was on the East Coast with you know if I'm in Chocolate City, right? Yes. And so this idea, you see another person and of color, and they give you that yeah, the nod. The you nod. felt me just do it like okay. now, or just All the right. look like. I, I, I see you. you. I, I see, see you. you. I honor that. And I so there was something about um, connecting this connected language or, or just being at a certain university and, and having students in my class. And they're like, you do know you're like the first black professor that we've ever had. And, and, uh-huh. the, and, the, and the language that they were able to speak with me and just be mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, there is something in that comfort Isn't it? Of, of, of the South that I didn't experience when I taught in another places. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. that's beautiful. I'll I think give, it's really I'll give really you good. that. Thank you. Thank, right. you. thank you. Thank you. Comfort in that. Comfort in that. I, and I want to, if we could, just as um, a postscript to our love letter, we kind of talk about the food, the sustenance, the nourishment. High on the Hog on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, get thee to it. I understand it's been kept for another season. It's, it is. Brilliant. Beautiful. Um, just the fact that all of these delicious foods I grew up with believing, understanding that the foods I ate came from the South and they were black foods. This was African food. When I moved to the South, I didn't know white people ate grits or collard greens. <laughs> I remember being at work and they were talking about eating black eyed peas for New Year's Day. I'm like, well, why, why are you, why are you doing that? I didn't understand that it was regional and cultural because to me, regional was cultural. That's so. There's a whole complicated racial thing complicated, with food right, and right. culture here. Where and it has let's been not forget co-opted. the co-optedness of that happens in the South. That is part of that Southern charm. You see, yeah. So you have uh, these mega uh, food network stars that have co-opted these traditions yes. from the folk who used to work for their grandmothers. Huh. And come and on, so come I, on. I don't know if I find comfort in that part. I find comfort in the in the root of it because okay. for me the root. Okay. Is is okay. that I grew up believing this was African food eaten and, pre- and prepared by black people in the South of America, period. So period. if you were in Compton in California and you were in Black Eyed Peas, it's because your people came from the South and, and they were black that. people. Right. It, was, it was it. Nobody was saying this is Southern food. We called it soul food, which okay. meant it was black food. And now we also us. know. It's it was, a collective us. Yeah, We know it came on the ships. That's right. 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 We know we know hair was was braided into seeds or braided into hair. Like we know how specific the thievery was when taking African people and establishing stealing it. them. They That's had right. agricultural gifts. Right. So right. The, we came and how those know-how. agricultural gifts have shaped and changed a whole region, whether that is uh, South Carolina, whether oh. that is Tennessee. Oh, God. Whether that is the whole East Coast. All of it. Let's talk about rice. Let's talk about rice. Gosh. So for me, like waking up on Sunday mornings, it's like, what do you want with your grits? I'm making black food. Yeah. I had, honest, I just remember talking to a colleague going, well, how how do you, what do you, you, I still part of, I feel a little bit of (laughs) bewilderment even as I'm speaking now. It's been 20 years. I I think I might have said, you know how to make grits? (laughs) I, I think you I said that about greens, greens before. Like, I don't want your greens. I think I've said that. Unfortunately, I've said But there's it. whole restaurants. And, and we said there's some stereotypes in what we're saying. Oh, no doubt. No, I'm, again, my story is I grew up with that being black food. It, there was no there was no other suggestion that it belonged to anyone but African people. Because of where it came from and the origin of it all. If we and know then I moved rice. south and suddenly it was no longer black food. It was <laughs> southern food. Southern. And I'm like, hmm. It's interesting. <laughs> I'm still grappling with it a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying. <laughs> I, I don't know that anyone's going to argue that samosas are from India. 
They may eat them in the Caribbean in different places, right? right? You may eat them in Trinidad. That's right. You may eat them in Barbados. But the root of it is... I'm just going to say, like, somehow we're talking about maybe grits aren't or collard greens aren't. Yeah. Nope. Those are indigenous to West Africa. So for me, collard greens, yams. I mean, I am so proud that every... You could put... And High in the Hog makes a distinction between yams and sweet potatoes. You got to watch it. I love it. that. It. I love the, the distinction, too. The, the I was distinction. like, yes, uh-huh. thank you. But those stay on my countertop. Yeah. It is like the most, just pop one in the oven and the girls always want to eat yeah. a yam. And so. it's And so the Southern, that, the Southern comfort for me and the food is is, is an international thing. It, it yeah, It's also. so And you, coastal for It's you. coastal. It is strictly coastal. It is, it's, it, it's, it's grits. And fi- like we eat fish and grits, whether that is a breakfast, lunch, or dinner, we eat fish and grits for any meal. But that means also like five different types of fish, like not the ones that like suck up the bottom of that yes. people claim in certain regions, like it's seafood. Yeah. But it also is this idea of of what uh, these coastal histories, whether that's from the Carolinas and the Geechees and the language. You talked about the language and the understanding of the food and the culture and the spices. So for me, it was the spices. It was the adding the extra flavor and all of these other yeah. things that that take me to to that place. Yeah, yeah. And I and I and 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 I couldn't add that to my to the region that I'm I'm, I'm in now. I can't add those pieces to my ode and my comfort in this region. Mm-hmm. I have to leave this place to go find that comfort. That's my love letter. I, I find comfort in those and other places and spaces for me. I love that. Yeah. And then you also speaking to the South as a home to people from many different nations I, that's and right. experiences. Definitely. That's right. I love that. Is that. One it thing. is not black, white. No. It's not just slavery, Jim Crow. No, it's, it's like not. we have huge populations of folks from Cambodia, right. from folks from, I mean, name a place. And I will say that that is one of the reasons why, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I chose to stay here. We chose to stay here a little bit longer mm-hmm. because we did see a shift and we did mm-hmm. see this idea of, just not just this this dual black and white narrative of of, of the South. Yeah, like Nashville was opening up its 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 space uh, for or beginning to even see presence of like what what the first Cuban family didn't move to Nashville in 1964. Like so, where wow. were the people? Like so, I became fascinated with that part of it. But the last part of my my ode, my love letter mm-hmm. to the South, has name. I, I will say. It's been, and you mentioned the food and, and that connection with family and what's on your countertop right now, grits. Yeah. I can talk to you on any weekend. And you, the other mm-hmm. weekend, and you're like, I'm cooking grits for the girls, yes, right? Yes. You cook okra for me. Like, oh, what, the beginning of the pandemic? Remember every I day, mean, I was like, okra, Tessney? Girl, we might as well be in Ghana. Hmm. We will be there, eating it there. There you go. And yeah. another yeah, dialect. But for <laughs> me, it's the idea of of the, the comfort, the Southern comfort, is choosing to figure out how we're going to raise Ryan mm. in this space, mm-hmm. right? Being born here mm-hmm. and raised in a city, in a state, in a region, and not just a region, in a country that hadn't always been as kind to black men, particularly one of a darker hue that um, other places and spaces may have been. And mm-hmm. so trying to figure out and find comfort and how am I going to use that to teach him to like Asale, to love all of the blackness, despite of what a country or a city or a region is telling you about you. And so I, um, I remember trying to think about the dignity of the land and the space. And so I think being here at a particular time when the city was grappling and the region was grappling in the country, as we still are, with its own identity, forced me to make sure that I implant, that I you know, planted all of those thoughts of a deliberate consciousness 
of what the darkness and the blackness meant to him. Mm-hmm. And I and I th- and I can't say that I would have deliberately and everything was so intentional. Everything spaces that you're in. You're gonna have many black people there. You gotta go to this church. You gotta go over here. You're gonna go to this frat or this mm-hmm. sort. You're gonna consistently surround you by people. That looked like you. I can't say that if I lived in a place and, and we were raising him in another place that was more multi that I would have been as deliberate because I would have just been like, oh, he's going to get it because it's part of it's part of the landscape. Mm-hmm. But it helped shape a deliberate act that I'm actually pretty happy about that we were able to make sure that he understood this this hallowed ground yeah. of what the South means and his connection to it and mm. in it and on top of it and how to navigate through it. Mm. You know what I just thought when you said hollow ground? There's something that, you know, I'm vice president of Mosaic Changemakers. Our mission, our vision is to weave a better South. And the first engagement that we have with every cohort, and these are all people from Tennessee, and, and it will one day be throughout the South, is to identify the indigenous roots of the place you are from. Yes, that's Because it. you call the South hollow ground. And we're thinking of in terms of this binary, for some of us, white, black, and then you throw other people, that's Cubans and Latinos and the Hmong and Cambodians. And people introduce themselves and they say, I'm from Memphis, the land of the. Yes. And so I'm from Nashville, the land of the the Cherokee, the Shawnee, the, you know, and so that's they right. start to, to add the layer and put it as low as possible to where it truly, be, truly deserves to be and where it is and remembering who was here before the ships. I, I, that's. The most perfect love letter. And who's still here? Yes. It's not just past tense, right? Yep. And so if we look at our indigenous brothers and sisters who we might think of as being in the Montanas and the Dakotas and the out west, we know about that migration. We frontiers. Yes. And so recognizing that how did they get out there? Where were they coming from? Just as much as we're talking about African people from the Nigerias and the Guinea coast and the Senegal wound up in the Alabamas and the Mississippis. We're saying indigenous words. And then we wound up in the Brooklyn's and the Chicago's and the L.A.'s recognizing that that migratory pattern, involuntary, brutal, began here, too. Began here. Yeah. Uh, You just took me to the indigenous patterns of the indigenous and and, and the enslaved in Georgia and Mm -hmm. how that shaped like that shapes me. Yeah. And and adding that to this other layer that I have to mm-hmm. find comfort, as you say, yes. this love letter to the to complicated me. love letter. We yeah. are speaking these words of Tennessee. Where does that word come from? Mississippi. Where does that word come from? Alabama. All of that, right? Yes. Where do those words come from? Wow. What's so our, what do we, we want? speak the truth of that? I would love to invite our listeners near and far to to really center in on the South. And what does Southern comfort mean to them? Right. What and is so your even Southern our comfort? listeners who are in the Midwest, right? Mm-hmm. They can still apply that same thought of, of what that region means to you yeah. where you land in it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Southern comfort and, as we said, discomfort is complicated. It's a love letter. That's right. Love is complicated sometimes. But don't <laughs> it feel good? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time. It is truth be told. All right, we are almost out, but we are certainly truth be told, and we want you to remember who we are and tell other people. We'd like you to like, share, follow, and subscribe. Truth be told, and that's going to be at Truth Be Told Pod, P O D at the back. At Truth Be Told Pod. 
Let people know what you're listening to. Let us know what you like that you're listening to. Let us know what you don't like. And then we'll see you next time. And remember, this is Truth Be Told. Truth Be Told.